This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And we have a guest today. Hello, I'm uh, Kurt. Or you can go by Coin, I don't really care. Eh. Alright, well Kurt's channel is CoinPlant, as you can see on the screen here. You find him by typing in CoinPlant, all one word, and clicking on this orange looking thing. And his channel's right here with this fantastic Technicolor looking hyper, mm-hmm. hi- hyper, what's my brain not working today for? Keeps, I keep thinking, <laughs> oh, psychedelic, psychedelic background here. Yeah, looks like watercolor or something, it's like all blending together. Mm. Yeah, looks good. Looks good. Who did, you Who did that it, for you? It, I made that myself. Wow, mm. look at you. It, I like it. It would look quite a bit better if it, uh, your YouTube was in dark mode. It is dark mode. Oh, it's not dark mode, is it? I'm, I'm just, I'm just pulling your chain. You know, when you, <laughs> when you don't sign in, it doesn't go dark mode on you. Let's see. You know, I should do this on every video. I don't know why we're always in light mode. Mm-hmm. Okay, it does look better. I like it. Yes. Yeah, light mode is is a toxic thing. So, anyways, um, if you want to check out Coin Plant, what do you do, Coin Plant, Kurt? Well, uh. I guess, in a word, uh, I mock. I mock everything. Uh, <laughs> if you if you really enjoy that kind of perspective of a, you know, angry twenty something just sort of making fun of of this that and the other thing, then that's you know that's sort of what my channel is. Very nice, very nice, and uh, he also puts up videos of a chicken dancing on occasion. It's true. Or I do ch- animation ch- stuff. Chimican? I don't know how you the, pronounce that word. So it's like uh, it's like chicken, but spelled wrong, and that's the joke. Oh, okay, mm. okay. <laughs> I'm not, was, not exactly. The video that confused me the most was, you won't believe how many beans I can fit into this hat. Why? It was a lot of beans. <laughs> <laughs> Some people just wouldn't believe it. <laughs> okay, all right. All right, I, I can I can respect that, especially when people mm-hmm. like Idubs are making random uh, bouncy half rubber ball things. So, anyways, mm-hmm. that's not the point of today. Well, what's the point of today? What is today? Today is Manic Monday. We need to come up with a different one. I say like that it was left back in the original episodes. We need to update it. It's Manic <laughs> Monday. Okay, so today we're going to be covering a story that both old and semi-newer Star Wars fans can relate to, uh, mostly because it's coming back in the limelight recently, um, and that is Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, and EA potentially remaking it, okay? Mm-hmm. So the reason we're bringing this up two weeks in a row, because normally yeah. we don't do that. Because we're more pissed off this week. Because <laughs> I'm very fired up right now, okay? I sent out an angry tweet. To, I'll even show you guys the tweet, okay? Because I was pretty fired up when I wrote this thing. I got some responses that I was not expecting. <laughs> um, let's see if I can find the dang thing. Oh, and by was the it, way, by the way, was it? Oh, sorry. When we hit a thousand subs, I've made this promise on Twitter. There may have been some drinking involved. Um, when we hit one thousand subs on YouTube or BitChute, uh, I will do a cover of the Numa Numa song in celebration. So please make that happen. Will will be very happy. I do have a question. Was no the tweet you received by Garth, because anytime that man says anything, it's something I have never expected anyone to ever say. 
What? What do you mean? <laughs> he said he received a tweet that you weren't expecting. And so I was like, oh, yeah, it's probably... No, it wasn't from him. Right. It was from uh, a Lucas Films or slash Lucas Arts fan account, which I actually thought... Oh, here we go. Probably still Garth. We are No. We are covering the new developments in KOTOR rumors next Monday. Don't mess with the KOTOR story. If you aren't going to do this remake right, EA, just don't do it. No retooling or changes are necessary for this series. Leave it alone. And I believe... Let's see. I got this. This one was cool. Somebody sent me a picture of all the games from that time period. But then I got a reply from... Where is it? I got a reply... Oh, I, I tweeted back. That's right. Here it is. Um, that goes double for Disney and Lucasfilm games. Don't mess with this story. Leave it the way it is. It's already one of the greatest Star Wars stories ever written. It doesn't need to be altered for canonical reasons. Quotations. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> Lucasfilm's games, LucasArts. It was the name of it was Lucasfilm's games. I just assumed it was the real account because <laughs> how did they get that? But anyways, mm-hmm. it says it absolutely needs to be different. I don't need to play two two times the same story. That's fair. But if they're going to change the story, don't change one and two. Write a new story. That's my opinion. Mm. Okay. But then they kept replying, I'll take an HD remaster and a reinvention. I don't know how that would work, because then which one's canon? The reinvention or the remaster? I don't know. (laughs) That's where I'm at with that. And then uh, they said there will be no KOTOR 3. That would be the preference. HD remake plus a KOTOR 3. And then they said, frankly, they just need to tell another story in this era. I'm also okay with that, as long as it doesn't affect the main story of the KOTOR series. So mm-hmm. I'm not completely against what this person has to say, but I hope they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they could go the Modern Warfare route where they have the remaster and then they have the completely the like, retooling. Yeah, 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 that's true. So anyways, um, basically in this, in this article, it says that EA and Disney are working together to make it fit the Disney canon. It's going to suck. Chris. But here's the Don't question. Here's so. the question. How does it not fit the Disney canon already? There's no impact to the Disney canon for this thing mm-hmm. being in there? Or this well, thing there's going to be time there. travel. Ray's going to go back in time and kill them. That's how <laughs> this is going to work. No. <laughs> Maybe they're going to make Basila um, Ray's like great, 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 great. Well, yeah. Um, Ray, that's already the case. Grandmother. Somehow Palpatine will be there. Just watch. <laughs> He's always been there. Yeah. <laughs> did you watch the new Star Wars coin? Yes, I did. I had a video about it, actually. Oh, yeah, you did, didn't you? I forgot what you said. I, I, it's been so long since I've watched that video then. It was, uh... Well, it, it doesn't really matter. I, I did indeed watch the new Star Wars. Okay, then are you a fan or a non-fan? Just just, just clear that up. It's Can we be sort of... You? <laughs> it's hard to place because I think it's a movie with so many great ideas but uh it's it's a it's a it's a tire fire it's that's that's what it is it, it struggles to pick up the mess that uh you know episode eight left behind mm-hmm. i think it does an okay job at that but uh it's just not good enough no no it's not and yeah. i think if episode eight if anything disney could have just said okay episode eight never happened let's rewrite it <laughs> They I would have been totally okay with that. If they could have made two more movies, they would have made double the money, and I would have gone and seen both of them. Or just make eight alternate reality Star Wars. Yeah, like a what if story. Yeah. Yeah. What if you didn't actually need to be trained and you're it the was, most powerful Jedi? It was all. A dream. It was all a dream. <laughs> what if Carrie Fisher died, but they wanted to still make money, so they digitally reanimated her yeah. and made yeah. her 
Uh, also, that that's another scene from just from the eight, the uh, episode eight. It would have been really cool was it when she got blown out of the ship just to have her die in that scene because no one yeah. would have expected it. That's true. <laughs> that's a good point. It's a, that was like a powerful emotional moment. They it could was. Have, they're like, hey, you know what? Surprise force powers. Yeah, Mary Poppins. You know, Geeks and Gamers actually put out a story recently where they said, hey, George Lucas wants to come back. And then it was actually proven true that he does want indeed to come back to Star Wars, which, of course, he does. Why as long he? as he's not the director, I'm fine with it. Yeah, he writes good stories. He just isn't directing Yeah, stories. he's great at making stories and creating characters, but his directing is, in my opinion, is it's like not the Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here's the qu- first question. Why does EA have to change this? This game is a masterpiece loved by many, many Star Wars fans. Okay, I don't understand why you would need to change this story. Second, is this Disney or EA? Who do you think is more likely? We kind of already discussed why is EA changing the masterpiece. I think it's just to satisfy folks on Twitter and Facebook and random news sites who don't like the original story for reasons. (laughs) <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that one. I don't remember the original story being even remotely offensive or even out of place with I don't think they what's going to on in today's change. world. So. I don't think that they want it to change because of it being offensive. I think they want to add things to it for the sake of adding them. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, th- think about it. How many how many extra plot lines were in episodes 7 through 9 that probably didn't need to be there to tell the same story? All okay. of them. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Coin. No, I, I I can think of one that rhymes with Bacino Planet. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that was terrible. Or how about throwing out probably the best character in the entire 7 through 9 trilogy to like essentially a cameo role in episode 9? I mean, Finn was great. And Finn, I really enjoyed Finn. And then they just like wrote him off. I'm like, this is, well, you know, first, first off, it's 2019. Well, He's not the character you write off. You write off Poe, if anybody. But <laughs> don't worry, they did that too. Yeah, they did. I'm just saying, like Finn. Finn was like he defected from from the stormtroopers. It's like, come on, that is a great story. That should have been told way better. Yeah, I know they were, we're supposed to be talking about the Kotar game, but that whole plot line was like the Raylo thing. Oh my gosh, garbage! So frustrating to me. It's very out of place. It Finn, was. they set up Finn and Ray. If you're going to have any love story, that was the love story, and I feel like they didn't pull the trigger because they were afraid of having. I'm not, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to get political on this. <laughs> but it it really frustrates me. But that, that's why I'm so nervous about them changing Kotor. How many plot mm-hmm. lines are going to be put into the game that don't matter? And how many characters I, are they yeah. going to remove from the game essentially by making them more cameo roles? There was so many good characters and storylines in this game to begin with. It's a very diverse crowd. Um, I don't understand what they would need to retool to make it fit Disney canon. It doesn't make any I'm, sense. I'm more worried about it just becoming just less great. Like yeah. uh, Andromeda, where it's like, it's yeah, it's it's a Kotar game, but it just kind of sucks. Have Does you played this sense? game, Coin? I have indeed. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2 was the first asterisk computer game that I ever played and the asterisk is a qualifier because I don't count the VeggieTales point and click island adventure game I'm so happy you said that that's the other game you played because VeggieTales <laughs> VeggieTales awesome but keep going <laughs> uh, yeah it was like the first computer game I ever played uh, me and my sister would come home after school and we would uh, like sort of co-op we'd, we'd almost like a just 
think tank the game together and we're like all right what do we what do we got to do to because they were complex games sometimes it wasn't very obvious what you did and it had a really mm-hmm. sort of gritty oh yeah like old school rpg element of like here are the tools allotted and here's it, it had the journal where it tracked all the conversations like to a t and it really just sort of gave you everything you needed and then you sort of worked out the puzzles on your own and i think that is probably what's going to be changed about them is the feeling mm-hmm. and that's what i don't like because there's such a unique feeling about the the even just the 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 setting provided and and the sort of agency given to the player throughout sections of the game and disney is not i don't know it just feels like they they're going to sterilize that if they change yeah. anything well, they have the Disney formula. Everything has to fit into the exact same formula, and if it doesn't, they just throw it out. <laughs> I'm going to be very frustrated if they change even a single character storyline in this game. All right, if they have to tool in somebody, then don't change anybody else. Like, uh, for example, there's a game Persona Four Golden. They remade Persona Four, and this is not Disney, so they didn't screw it up, and they tooled this extra character in. But they didn't change the main story. They just added on an extra dungeon to the game for this particular mm-hmm. character. And it did not change the story significantly. It gave a better background explanation to the game and didn't actually affect the end game. So it was like mm-hmm. one of the greatest additions to a retooled game ever, my opinion. Yeah, so like I could I'd be okay with them changing some things if it makes sense. Like if it's still within the spirit of the game and of the honestly of the original Star Wars canon, because we all, we all can agree it's better. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like Coin's saying, if the, I'm I'm really worried they're going to ruin the feeling of what this game is. Um, but we'll see, I guess. How much of the original core audience will be maintained if they change this game? You know, you know what I mean. Like obviously, the Star Wars fanatics, people that are like obsessed with Star Wars, will still play this game regardless. But let's just say Star Wars, more casual Star Wars fans. Are these people also going to play this? Are new Star Wars fans going to play this? Who do you who do you lose more if you change this game? You know what I mean? Well, like, it, change it negatively to the point like what they've been doing recently with everything else. They're going to lose the original Star Wars fan, which make, honestly makes up the bulk of the, of the Star Wars audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can just look at Galaxy's Edge and, to understand why you don't deviate too far from the original... Uh, six movies um, and that canon um, but yeah I think that if they change it uh, too much and and you know go in like really off and left field they're going to alienate the you know original fans I, I guess you can say not, not the ones they picked up with this new trilogy well when you say original fans you're talking about saga fans not not nine episode fans you're talking about like one through six because yeah that's, what, that's these what came about. out during like the one two three trilogy mm-hmm. so like you know younger people appreciated this game along with people from the original trilogy because it was just such a great story and it didn't affect the original six episodes of star wars yeah what, what about, about you coin <laughs> <laughs> i mean there's not much that there's not much extra i i i, I do think it's 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 an interesting question uh but Honestly, if they do remaster this game, yeah, I, I find it hard to believe that the number isn't close to a hundred percent of the like of the people that played the original Kotor and and, and Kotor two. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think most of them are just going to play the new one. And that's just, maybe maybe that's not true, but that's my opinion. But at least people that are still playing games that used to yeah. play. Like anybody mm-hmm. still on, like Will and I still play games, but like some of our friends who it would have played this back in the day may not still be playing video games at all. So those yeah. people likely won't play it anyways, no matter who they target this at. Now here's a question that's a kind of loaded. Which company has done more damage to the Star Wars franchise, Disney or EA? I think it's an easy answer. Oh, I know what I'm going to say, but go ahead and coin. When you say damage, do you mean as like a like a like uh, an image thing or or a finance thing? Yes. Has right. Disney done more damage to the video? related elements of Star Wars, or has EA done more damage to the video game element of Star Wars? That That's a better way to phrase it, sorry. Who's hurting so like, more? To, to the brand of Star Wars, like the, the and, identity yeah. of it? And so you would have to agree that they're actually damaging the brand, correct, but correct. let's just go ahead and assume that you do agree to that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. and, and if you disagree, uh, then why? Hmm. I think there, there are a few qualifiers here. I think it's Disney, because I don't bestow EA enough power to damage the the brand of Star Wars. It's just it's it's too strong of a of an IP for them mm-hmm. to ruin. Essentially, yeah, that's, that's my opinion. I would say though, if you just look at it from the media standpoint of like video games as a media, and then the midi- videos as a media, a separate media, I think EA with Battlefront two did more damage in one year than Disney has done to the Star Wars video franchise. Now, overall, Disney made the call to go with EA in the first place for their exclusive mm. video game franchise, so essentially it's all boils down to Disney's bad decisions. But yeah. I think that EA and Battlefront 2, up until Star Wars Episode... Which came out first, Battlefront 2 or Episode 8? I don't remember. Battlefront 2. I think Battlefront 2, until Episode 8 came out, did more damage. Because of the microtransaction situation. Disney actually had to step in and say, EA, remove the microtransactions for the time being, or you will hurt us. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's pretty bad. Yeah. I guess my answer to this is Disney, uh, for similar reasons. Because, one, they chose EA, which you know is a terrible company, <laughs> yeah. uh, to do this. And they should have diversified. I think they should have had multiple team, multiple companies working on these games. Um <coughs> Yeah, Obsidian. Or, you know, there's a n- large number of, of developers that could have done this. Um, but the thing is, I also picked Disney because the, the distaste that I had from Episode Eight bled into all the other media. So I was, you know, avidly reading the books. I was playing the games, and then I watched Episode Eight, and I, I walked out of there. I was like, I, Star Wars has been so diminished for me <laughs> after this, <laughs> which is terrible to say because I mean, how does the one movie do that to me? Yeah. But I, I, for a long time, I was like, "This, I, I'm so upset right now because of, of what what direction they're going in." And Will and likes the Christmas special. <laughs> it's it's goofy, um, <laughs> but you know, I've actually recently gone back and rewatched the um, prequels and the the original trilogy, and it's actually got me more interested in going back and reading the legends and playing these older games. Um, but overall, I would still say that Disney had a, a larger impact on ruining the brand for me. Mm. Given that we all agree that Disney has, in fact, had some some impact on Star Wars in a negative fashion, um, the last question that we should probably talk about is uh, 
what do we? What's our opinion on Disney just coming in and disregarding all the existing canon when they bought Star Wars and the impact it's had on the franchise? Um, in my personal opinion, when I heard that they disregarded all, all except for essentially the six videos and the television series, right? That was pretty much it. Everything but they else also was, disregarded that, but okay. Okay, well, even that then. Um, yeah. My first thought was, oh no, KOTOR doesn't matter anymore. That was literally my first thought was, holy cow, my favorite Star Wars story. Even I, I like KOTOR better than I like most of the Star Wars saga, which is very controversial probably to say, but that is the mm. truth. I love the KOTOR games. Um, that's probably one of the biggest reasons why I ended up loving the prequel trilogy so much because it came out at the same time as KOTOR, and I was playing mm-hmm. KOTOR like crazy. Um, so I was like, ooh, Star Wars, ooh, Star Wars, ooh, KOTOR. Woo, mm-hmm. love it. Um, <laughs> so when Disney disregarded that, I immediately got disgusted with Disney. It's like, come on, this has no impact on anything you guys are trying to do. Why would you do this? This is a stupid move. You've alienated half the franchise, or half the franchise's fans, I should say, because a lot of them read the books. It's one of the few franchises that I can honestly say, when I talk to people, half of them have read at least two books. You know, that's pretty big, because people don't read nowadays. Um, And I was so distraught that KOTOR was no longer canon. I was like, well, they'll never remake it. It'll never get a remake. And now here Mm -hmm. we are, 2020, talking about a remake with KOTOR, and they want to retool the story to meet their canon, which doesn't even... There is no canon for this. Why? So, that's my opinion. I I hate the fact that Disney took away canon from all these different things. Yeah. At first, I I honestly didn't care. I thought they were trying to do that just to have a cleaner slate, because... You know, the Legends was so far-reaching past the original trilogy and before the prequel trilogy and in between that there, like most of the stories had already been told. And I think they, I, like when I, at first I was like, okay, they just want to tell a new story. So that's why they're wiping this way, and they're going to start bringing some back in, which they did. They brought a lot of those stories actually back, like the Tron Thrawn trilogy, um, quite a few of the books during the prequels and things like that. They, they have re essentially republished them, um, and now they're canon again. Um, but then fast forward to, I, I believe it was last year, where Kathleen Kennedy said that there was no books or comic books or games to base these new movies off of. Mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? You have all this material that you could have used. Well, she's just not very bright. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say that. That's that's terrible. She's, she's done I'm bright sorry, work I'm on sorry. other movies. What I mean by that is she she didn't make a bright statement in the time. No, yeah, exactly. It. So it was a bad the thing statement. is, yeah, and... You know, retroactively, now I'm pissed off that they did that because, like, these are some great stories. However, I, I also don't like when games and other media are tied to have to be canon. It's like, I don't necessarily need a video game that's canon. Um, I, I'd be totally okay with uh, a Darth Vader game that has nothing to do with, the, like, the movies or a Luke game or, or a Ray game, even. that has nothing to do with the, the movies and just go off on your own adventure. I'd be fine with that. Hmm. <laughs> That's my piece. <laughs> what you got, Queen? Uh, I have a sort of like anecdotal tangent. Uh, when I was a, a young boy, I was sort of a prequel stan. I enjoyed a lot of the the material of the prequels. Now that I'm you know older, wiser, mm. I have my wits about me. I realize that a lot of the prequels are not good. <laughs> Looking at you, Chris. Uh, <laughs> but because I was so invested in in uh, 
that sort of era of Star Wars, and I really just love the uh, I, I love the world in its entirety. I, I started reading the books as a as a young lad, and specifically the books that come to mind were kind of this uh, the series following Boba Fett as a kid, mm-hmm. uh, and it was it was less like gritty bounty hunter stuff than it was a sort of coming of age road trip across a, a, a cold and disparate universe and it was great world building and it made me feel like you know there was just this immense depth to the world beyond what you see in the in the in the movies and uh in the, the tv show and that's something that the the first trilogy had working for it really well was was world building it, it felt lived in mm-hmm. so when disney decides hey you know we're just gonna sort of get rid of all that uh, the world is actually empty, hollow, and the only thing that matters is what Disney says. That really made me very angry, because mm. here's here's all this content that you sort of attach to growing up. Maybe it's you know just me personally, but a lot of people, a lot of people like reading and they like getting <laughs> yes. invested. Crazy, right? Uh, mm. They get invested in the worlds, and and then you know people are just like, eh, doesn't matter anymore. Feels feels wrong. Yeah. Also, the quality of books have gone down. I don't know if you've read any of the new ones, but they're, they're I, not as well written. I haven't, and I don't. I it's been a while. It's I I don't know if the the books I read were any good, but it still <laughs> expanded on the lore, and that was the important part. No, the Boba Fett books are actually quite good. I enjoyed them, so mm-hmm. I agree. So, I think we can all agree the. Uh, canon deletion by Disney, the, the, making the legends and the expanded universe stuff, that was just not a smart move. Um, no. And and then on top of that, if you actually use the Star Wars universe books, you could have wrote um, some extra things in there if you really wanted to. But you you already had a game plan for how your next three movies could have went. It would have been a mm-hmm. lot easier to use that as your game plan and then just kind of branch off if you need to. Then it would yeah. be to essentially say, "Hey, why don't you write three independent films that we have no background story for?" <laughs> and then on top of that, um, the thing that made me the angriest just to, just to end this video, um, Kotor not canon, and now they're going to retell <laughs> it in a different way. And I just feel completely betrayed by Lucas Arts and Disney for them doing that. Do you have any closing thoughts, Will? I just hope that they don't screw up the feeling. Like I said, they can change it. Um, they can change some of the character storylines. As long as the feeling is still there, I, I'm fine with it, I guess. But I'm, I'm worried. It's EA and Disney, so... <laughs> yeah. Closing comments, Coin? Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> I like it. Alright, mm-hmm. as always, I'm Chris. I'm Will. I'm also here. (laughs) He's Kurt. Um, Mm -hmm. Go subscribe to Coin Plant. Um, As always, I'm Chris, and we already did this, so um, we will see you on the next Krillcast.
quick before we start. Okay, well, we're starting. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. I'm um, Will. Did we really start? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, uh, I ran out of music to keep delaying it, so we have a guest today. I'm Kurt, or Coinplan. Hiya. And uh, why don't you tell everybody what you do in a shorter sentence than you did last time? I'm <laughs> That's not possible. I make, I make fun of people. <laughs> that was good. YouTube's probably going to take him off this platform before too long if he gets big enough. <laughs> Strike him down. That's the dream, right? Yeah, yeah you can't trust a, such a happy coin plan. <laughs> he's going to have to stick to just Chimikin videos. <laughs> so today we're going to cover CGP Grey, who has the most boring about me ever. Um, and he'll never watch this video because he's not obsessive like other people. And he probably will never watch our video. So we just have to deal with that <laughs> fact right now. CGP, if you actually watch this video... I don't know why you're watching us because you're like I don't know four hundred well, times welcome. four four hundred thousand <laughs> times bigger than our channel, but that's fine. You know, whatever. Um, as always, so uh, this, this video is over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so CGP Gray, I started watching him at least a decade ago. I want to say a decade ago. Yeah, right around a decade ago, maybe a little less. Um, but he had some videos out there that people would send me. You know, I'd be like. Hmm, who is this guy? Always had um, this interesting animation style that he stuck with. I think I was just telling you guys off air. This this style of video he's been doing for a very long time. Aside from the short period of time where he was doing these road trip videos, which was very different from his normal style <laughs> video. Mm-hmm. But he did that, and that's the thing. Um, but yeah, so normally he just does like history. Like, for example... He did a video on how to become the Pope, and he did his homework on it. It was very interesting. I was like, hmm, okay. And then because he missed something, he wrote footnote from how to become Pope. Another 30-second video on how to become the Pope. Um, so he just did multiple videos on that. The Fable of a Dragon Tyrant, and then another video on that. Um, Q, he did a Q&A, which was only seven minutes. Um, not that many questions. No, not that many questions. Um, let's see... He doesn't get political very often, but when he does, Uh-oh. he's backtracked once or twice. <laughs> we're going to get uh, stri- struck. Did you see that image that came up? <laughs> well, if he didn't get struck, then we're not going to get struck. Um, so he also did, he defended net neutrality. Apparently he started a podcast, which I did not know about. I'm trying to remember what the, oh yeah, I watched his What Is Reddit video before I joined Reddit. I was like, hmm, what is Reddit? And I watched his video. I was like, oh, this is very informative. <laughs> I'm glad I watched this. So he does like obscure history. Uh, lessons like land disputes. He's very obsessed mm-hmm. with land disputes. And I think it's because he's probably teaching history outside of his YouTube channel. But he's like the biggest obscure history channel on the entire YouTube platform at 4.13 million subscribers. I mean, how many people can say, I just write about obscure history with animation styles that are stick mm-hmm. figures, and I have 4.13 million subscribers? There's not that many people on there. So his content has to be well researched, well thought out, well done, and well scripted, right? or else you don't get there. So that's my first comment, is he has a very, very good um, handle on his editing and on his narration and on his history lesson that he does in most of these videos. And only when he goes into political commentary is when I turn it off and I don't watch it, because I just don't watch political commentary on YouTube un- <laughs> unless, unless, I kinda, you agree with it. unless I kind of already <laughs> agree with it. That's a problem. I probably should watch more content that I agree with. But no, he's gone down some rabbit holes, and I've been like, hmm, I'm not so sure about this. But uh, overall, 
when he just does a history lesson and does stick straight to the facts. Um, I've been completely on board with it. It's been really cool to listen to these completely obscure facts about history. And uh, I, I love that content. It's really, really fun and interesting. And if I was signed in, you would see that I am actually subscribed to his channel. But we are not signed in, so it doesn't show the subscription. Will, uh, of the videos you watched, what did you get out of this? I mean, I don't know. I feel like you've covered basically everything, Chris. <laughs> uh, I, I think I, I think part of the reason why he has such a high view count is also because his videos are visually interesting and stimulating, which is something that I always you know harp on people is you can have really great content, uh, the, like audio content, but if something isn't going on like on your screen, a lot of people tune out because you know not everyone's like you and I, Chris, where we mostly just listen to things. Um, and I think that he has a clearly an art style that's lasted a long time because he hasn't changed it. <laughs> it's clearly working for him. Um, and going down to the, the political thing, I, I agree. Uh, occasionally, uh, ch his channel as well as channels like his will, where there's like some the gray parts, you, you kind of have to interpret what's going to happen, what, what happened in history. And you know, depending on your bias, you can like be a, kind of offended by what side he's gone on, or accept what side that he falls in that gray spectrum. Um, and it, there's been a couple times I'm like, oh, that's not how I interpreted these events from the you know probably one book versus his twenty that he's read. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's been a couple times I'm like, mm, I don't know about this. But the, most of the content I really really enjoy. How about you, Coin? Uh, I have not seen as much content from CJP Gray as y'all. CGP Gray. Don't worry, it's just my brain that's broken. I can't <laughs> ever differentiate between the two. I never learned how to read. Um, <laughs> I I really enjoy simple animation because I don't know. There's there's just an accessibility there. There's not too complex a, a visual presentation in any of the videos I've seen. Uh, especially the the uh, the traffic video you sent me is very neat and organized, and I and think you that's like very. That, don't you? I I love organized content. It's so <laughs> I don't know. It's so beautiful. It's like oh. well, I was talking about my my desktop off air, but uh, I, I like it when there's when there's not a lot going on, but it's still. It's just easy to easy to grasp. So that's one thing I I, I really enjoy about this uh, channel is the the animation style is so accessible, and it's so while being still you know like uh, will set visually stimulating. Yeah. Um, so I guess the next question is, um, what are some things we think that CGP Gray could improve upon? And I think there's one glaring thing that all of his viewers would agree with me on, so I'm just going to state that right out the get-go. He uh, he just doesn't do videos very often, right? Every time he does a video, mm -hmm. it's like it's like it's an event, kind of like how Adam described the Gaming Historian on our podcast mm -hmm. before. I'm going to keep kick, uh, clicking back to Adam because I know there's some viewers that came over from Adam's channel to watch ours, and they would like to hear about his thoughts even if he's not on the podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> But no, he said uh, like Gaming Historian, when he puts out a video, it's like an event, and a lot of people tune in to watch it. 
he gets like more views per video than he has subscribers, which is like an anomaly on YouTube. Not many people can do that. CGP is another one of those type of people. This video has got 17.2 million views. He's only got 4 million subscribers. So you know that people are seeing this video that are not subscribed to his channel. It might be what's working for him, though. Maybe he's doing it on purpose. But I guess the question I have is, would his channel see more subscribers if he put out a video like weekly or monthly versus you know <laughs> whatever he feels like it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could be the same situation as Southern Sega Gentleman who puts out videos when he has time to put out videos and actually wants to do one and feels plugged mm-hmm. in to do it, right? And that, that works for people, but um, since he has a legacy channel on YouTube that's already popular, it works for him. TGP Gray. Yeah. Do you, this. This channel does remind me of another YouTuber, if you mind if if I sort of steer it towards something yeah, in the ahead. same sort of vein. Uh, are you familiar with Bill Wirtz? He made the History of Japan and the History of the Entire World, I guess, videos that I think have I saw sort of that, gone yeah. super viral. Really interesting, simple animation while still being engaging and historical, sort of like edutainment style content. And that was definitely a sentence, what I just said wasn't just me rambling <laughs> uh, it, it he's another channel that sort of outpaces his subscribers with his views because the I, I feel like there's a lot of channels like this especially the the edutainment style content it, I, where I, I don't know I feel like it goes viral and uh, it, it's just shared so many times. I feel like a lot of the, the, the views on these could be repeat viewings, maybe, but that's just a a theory. Not a game theory, though. <laughs> An <laughs> no. edu theory. Edu theory. Uh, so that, that that's just my two, two cents. But that, that that's what... Uh, sorry, just free associating. That was what this channel reminded me a lot of, so I just wanted to sort of present that. I don't know if y'all agree, but... Now, is that other channel as big or bigger than CGP Grey? Uh, I believe so. Quick, uh... Alright, let's find out. What was the name again? Wirtz. Here, I can find it. I can find it for you. Wirtz. Uh, 3.61 million. So, So still pretty good. Yeah, but History of the Entire World sitting at 81 million views. That's insane. It's only 20 minutes? It's a bit of a viral one. Well, yeah. And then Japan at uh, 53. 53. Holy cow, this guy's got some insane blow-up videos. Mm -hmm. It's great content, too. I want to emphasize that. It's superb. Just for fun, you ever seen this video? I hope you have. Hold on, let me bring up uh, Skype. I don't believe I can see it. It's covered by... Oh, yeah. I can't see it. (laughs) End of Z-World. I have not seen this video. I've not seen it either. It's been around. This video has been around for a long. Oh, since '08. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I've been alive that long. <laughs> so this video was like was completely viral when when we were all young. Oh people. no! And uh, it was like talking about World War Three, and it was like making jokes about how it would start and all these different things. So I think that's that's got to be like a fake bush. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Little did they know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, th- this was just insane. This video... <laughs> I'm going to turn this video off. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, it- it's a hilarious, hilarious video by Albino, Albino Black Sheep. I totally forgot about this channel. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people have, because I would have thought they would have millions of subscribers based on the fact that they did uh, the End of the World video, which was hilarious. 
Um, but there was a vid- there was a website associated with it. That's where that came from originally. But of the YouTubers I've been watching for over for a decade or more, CGP is one of the few I'm still subscribed to. That's why I wanted to cover him, and because he has arts an art animation channel, this edutainment. Um, I thought it would be good to cover it with somebody who does animation on their channel. Namely, I saved him for Queen Plant. Mm. So I thought it'd be good to expose you to this this channel if you hadn't seen it before. Mm. Now, what are our predictions for this channel going forward? Uh, my only prediction is that this channel will only continue to gain subscribers. I mean, if he keeps putting out content. He'll keep getting more subscribers. That's a fact. It's pretty much my only take on his channel. You think point. he's going to get more, uh, like a substantial amount more, or do you think he's kind it's of just a slow? This is a slow gain. He'll probably get okay. to five million by the end of probably twenty twenty one. So, okay. That's basically. What I'm going to say it's a slow, slow burn. He's already got the base there, right? And every video mm-hmm. he puts out gets at least a million views. So he's making money off these videos as long as they're monetized. Mm. Yeah. So. I think I have a controversial opinion here. Then, okay. I think, I think uh, CGP will will gain a cult following, and over the course of the I don't know the next decade, maybe people will look back on the channel fondly, and then uh, he's gonna get an HD remaster by Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Disney just and they're gonna just in. sort of rewrite a lot of the old videos. <laughs> No, I mean it's it just seems like a channel that that uh is going to obviously continue to grow. It's a great platform and uh it it loves this style of content. So, obviously, yeah, growth. Nothing but it. There you go. Heard it from Coin. It's official. Um so, if that's it, as always, I am Chris and I'm Will. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> And if you didn't hear it in the beginning, I'm going to say it now. This was Tuber Tuesday presented by who will? The Krillcast. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. What's today, Will? Uh, oh, it's Wild Call Wednesday. <laughs> and who do we have here with us? Oh, uh, hi. <laughs> hi, I'm Kurt Coinplant. I make satire, and I uh, review things online. Excellent. It gets shorter every time. Yeah. And he covered uh, JStation. Go check that video out. I'm going to plug that video today. It was awesome. I just mm-hmm. I would plug his newest one, but I didn't really understand it because I don't have the context. Uh, it's a bit niche. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Um, so if you wanted to check out either of our channels, you go to YouTube, you type in Coinplant, and he's the only channel with Coinplant put together as one word, or at least the first one that pops up when I search it. If you type in Krillcast, you might have to tell Google that you're actually looking for the Krillcast and not Chromecast videos, because it keeps trying to autocorrect to Chromecast. It's an unfortunate <laughs> side effect of the name of our channel, but eventually, when we get our custom URL with four more subscribers, mm. we'll come up every time. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to the channel.
you should change your name to Chromecast. Get they... that Chromecast clap. <laughs> Except that there's like a bajillion channels already named that, and we just like just the same problem that Dan had when he started his channel. There's so many nerd talk channels, you have a hard mm-hmm. time finding his. So, I think he's getting better now. He's coming up higher in the search results because he's more active and more engaged. Yeah, he is. So that helps. But today, we're going to talk about electronic arts. This is my favorite video game company. Oh, well, yeah. We're about oh, to uh, shill for said, electronic arts. You said electronic arts, the temperature in my room dropped about 40 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Mm. Right there. That's, that's the why it doesn't work very well. So EA's been around a long time, okay? And I doubt that the company's always been as look, looked at as negatively as it is nowadays. But it was originally founded and incorporated on May 27th of 1982 by ex-Apple employees. Go figure that Apple mm-hmm. and EA <laughs> would stem from similar places. Um, so he was a pioneer, uh, the company was a pioneer of the early home computer games industry and was notable for promoting the designers and programmers responsible for the games being put out on the PC. Um, it says that they... Oh, I actually played this game. Um, Skate or Die which was actually ported to the NES. I don't believe it was always just an NES title. That's correct. Okay, I was right. Um, That game (laughs) was such a strange NES title. Uh, I have to say, I do have memories playing it. Can't tell you if I really enjoyed it, because I was too young to really understand it. But uh, it's cool. It's okay. Um, The games that I remember EA for are like the Need for Speed games, which have been coming out for a long time. The Sims... Mm -hmm. Uh, Medal of Honor, I did play some of those. Uh, Command and Conquer, I'm, a, I'm aware of, but I never really played it. Obviously, Battlefield, I skipped that on accident. Um, Dead Space, kind of a rest in peace to Visceral like, Studios yeah. at this point. Yeah, that's, that's a sad story, but I did like those games. Mass Effect. Same with Mass Effect. <laughs> Dragon Age, uh, I'm really not that into Dragon Age, but I know a lot of people are. Um, Army of Two, which they basically just shuttered that game series. Don't do that one anymore. They should just do that. Make or make a, or combine army of two. Oh, Titanfall! I love Titanfall. Uh, they, I mean, so some of these franchises, they kind of bought the franchises by buying the yeah. developers of the games. You yeah. know, so I don't know if I count they, Titanfall as an EA game. They bought uh, Respawn, and right? Yeah, have, and they have published uh, Apex Legends since then. And I definitely, because of the aggressive monetization in that game, I definitely count that as an EA game. We had that one, yeah, for sure. Um, so then. Titanfall, they got some Star Wars games. They got the EA Sports franchise, which is probably their biggest franchise still. Um, Cricket 07, exactly. <laughs> uh, FIFA, Madden, Madden NFL, NBA Live, NHL. And then I didn't know that uh, the UFC games were owned by EA as well, but they're there. Um, they've got a ton of studios, both closed, open, and in currently acquiring. <laughs> um, and... Well, what is EA famous for doing with the studios they've acquired? Shutting them down. <laughs> they, they'll buy up a great studio. Maybe that studio will make a couple good games, then they'll make a couple terrible games, and then EA shutters them, and it destroys the studio and the IP. What year would you say was the last year that you would walk into GameStop, see EA on front cover of a game, and said, that's got to be a good game? 2004. How about you? Cole? No, wrong. 2005. What do you got? Who, me? Yeah. Uh, I'd say uh, walking into GameStop is a mistake in and of <laughs> itself. Okay. 
All right, let's just say uh, game trailer online. When was the last time you saw a game trailer that had EA in it somewhere, and you were like, hmm, I'm going to go get that? God, when was Battlefield Bad Company 2? When was oh, that one Oh, that's a great released? game. I like that one. Um, that I'd say that was the last one. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Um, for me, the last time I walked into a GameStop and bought a game made by EA, and I thought, hmm, I'm going to like this was actually the Mass Effect trilogy because it was such a good deal and I already knew I liked Mass Effect 1 and 2 so that was, I mean, I don't know if it's a caveat because it came out after all three games were already out Mm -hmm. but I already knew I liked the franchise now 3, if I was just going in and buying 3 I would not have had the same feeling so maybe Mass Effect 2 because that was such a great game but it was monetized heavily I saw those because of or got those because of Bioware That's, that's fair, but Bioware was owned by EA I didn't know. You didn't even know? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you throw that out there, the last um, EA, true EA game that I bought, thinking I'm very much excited to play this, was Madden 08, which arguably is the best Madden. Just ask Scott the Wise. <laughs> um, and then as far as... Um, as far as EA, when did they kind of go off the deep end for me? As far as a publishing company, uh, probably started with when I got Madden 15. I was when I really started to notice the differences. Although I would say they dropped off way before that, because um, I popped in Madden 15 in the Xbox 360. Yeah, Xbox. Yeah, Madden 15, Xbox 360. Yeah, because I still was playing my th- 360 in when Madden 15 mm-hmm. came out, um, and I saw EA Madden player card thing, and I was like, "What is this?" And I typed it and it was like microtransactions on a $60 NFL Madden game. I was like mm-hmm. this is wrong. <laughs> like, you can't do that. Is this, is this for real? Ultimate Madden team. That's what it was called, right? Ultimate Madden team. I think that's what it's called. And I just kept thinking to myself is this legal? Like, can they can they <laughs> start charging me for things on a game? And then you look at the home screen and it's all focused on this Madden all-star card game team thing. I'm like mm-hmm. No, I don't want this. I should get to choose what's on the home screen for Madden. I, don't, I should be able to turn this feature off, but there's no way to do that. And I was like, well, this is scummy. And I looked at it, and I was like, hmm, when did this start? And I started looking into the history, and I started seeing all this, these other things that EA have been doing. And I was like, well, nope. I'm not buying EA sports games anymore. Like, not if they're going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need this microtransaction on a $60 game at all. If you're going to do this, Madden should be a service game, not a yearly release game. You know, and then I looked at Call of Duty, and I was like, well, Call of Duty's changed. Everything's changed. You know, EA's not Call of Duty, but same idea, right? It was, it was what sparked my mind to, like, what are these AAA companies doing? And I was like, everybody's doing this. And then it came to a head with Star Wars Battlefront 2. And I'll let Will kind of go into that if he wants. Battlefront 2? Yeah. So... Yeah, well, that was just a, such a major insult. Not only did they have just a ridiculous amount of microtransaction and loot crates, well, surprise mechanics. Was that EA that said that, or was that Activision? Surprise mechanics. I don't remember. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. They tied those loot crates to progression in that game, so it really was pay-to-win, and you just you just don't do that. <laughs> so it was like, you know, they faced major backlash. Uh, there's They, you know... Uh, that whole, I'm, I'm honestly just so disappointed in that Battlefront 2 game. Um, both of them were terrible, honestly. 
even though it sounds great, it looks great, and you know the gameplay is pretty fun, they ruined it with microtransactions. But as far as when did I lose trust in EA, I, I started losing trust even before the microtransactions because they just kept making the same games over and over and over, never innovating or you know making anything different with their sports games. It's the same game every year. Now it's the same game with less features and more microtransactions. <laughs> How about you, Coin? You know, just ever since Spore, EA's really gone downhill, huh? When, mm-hmm. What year did Spore come out? I've, I've seen this game before. I've, I've not actually played it myself, but I've seen a lot of people play it. 2004, maybe. Okay. <laughs> that That is just a bit of a, of, of a joke, but... I mean, honestly, it's like... I don't feel like I can even contribute to this conversation. EA is just this indomitable force of evil that <laughs> I can't even... <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's, it's dread. It's it's pure evil. I hate it. I think I the less it. EA touches a game developed by one of their developers, the better. Mm. Yeah, because they own some great companies like Respawn, uh, Bioware, Dice was Dice. good. <laughs> All these were gr- better with when EA had less impact. When they stopped, when they started requiring the Frostbite engine, so they wouldn't have to pay licensing to Unreal Engine Four. That's that's a problem. That's a problem. Use the engine that works the best for your game. Don't. Yeah. Well, and it's not designed for an entire. Like it's designed for one genre, and you're trying to cram every other genre into that game engine. You know, it doesn't work. (laughs) So, we all have like these opinions of EA, but it it doesn't come from one game or two games. It comes from years of of them doing yes, messing with your customer base. All right. So. Let's go back and let's talk about EA Sports. All right, when EA Sports first became a thing, right? They did the Madden games. I think that was their first true EA Sports game was a Madden game. All right, they licensed John Madden's name for the sports for the sports games because he had such a big name in football at the time. And he only has honestly, if I didn't know about Madden football games, John Madden, that name would mean nothing to me at this point because I grew up without that, like being such a big name in sports, except for the Madden games. And his legacy mm-hmm. lives on because of EA Sports using that name every year for their football games. But EA has some horrible practices on how they acquire the licenses. They basically say, we want the Monopoly on sports games. So they buy the Monopoly from the NFL, from. Uh, basketball, but they really haven't won that one yet. Um, and then, like hockey, they do the same thing. Um, and, and the th- reason why you have Major League Baseball by Sony is because they bought the third-party publishing rights. So, if NFL, um, let's say Xbox wanted to make their own NFL game, they still mm-hmm. could. If Sony still wanted to make their own NFL game, they still could. But EA is so dominating in there that the only company that ever went toe-to-toe with them, which was, I think, some ESPN-funded game. I think it was ESPN Hall of Fame or football or something. 05 is the last one they made. And there's 2K Sports made their own version, too. But ever since 05, you won't see any of them come out anymore because EA bought this exclusive license, and there's no way for 2K or uh, ESPN to compete anymore. And they try to do this with all the sports they can. Um, because mm-hmm. 2K had a better engine. They had a better game 
and so did ESPN, I think. I'm going to look this up because I've seen a video on it before. I'm, I'm kind of talking off the cuff here. But overall, EA's practices with sports games are very scummy. But it's it's business-minded, and it makes sense why you'd want to be the only game in town. I'm not going to fault them for wanting to be the yeah, only well, game in town. Their MO is how do we make as much money, and if making more money by screwing over the customer base is the way to do it, then they're happy to do that. Mm. And, you know, the thing is, we'll get backlash on these sports games because people buy these things every year. Oh, they yeah. love these sports games, and they love spending money on these microtransactions, even though they don't seem to realize that they can't even customize their players anymore without paying for it. They, if you go back to like the Xbox or 360 games, you could customize the teams, you could customize the uniforms, you could customize your character. Mm-hmm. You could have career modes. <laughs> you could have franchise modes or whatever where you actually saw like the person's house and like decorate your house with trophies and stuff. That doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and we have far more powerful systems. So what, what's going on? So here's the answer. It was ESPN, NFL, 2K5. So they were combined together. 2K Sports and ESPN got together with Sega and the developer Visual Concepts. And actually, the, the poll that was taken by IGN when EA got the exclusive license was, who makes the better game? And it was resoundingly 2K made a better ESPN game. So, Matt, I think EA did this as a power play to prevent mm -hmm. 2K from taking the entire industry. Because if you look, this game on Amazon is still $45. How much do you think ES, or, I'm sorry, EA Sports Madden 2005 is worth? Probably no, like that. 5 bucks. <laughs> it's just, it makes sense, this this other developer that was better. Um, it makes sense that EA would have tried to take this, because if they're going to lose the market share of football, it's a big deal. I mean, from 05 till now, it's still one of the best-selling games every year. Mm -hmm. huh. So, yeah, I mean, if you go back and play this, the two games side-by-side, side, I've seen some, some, I think you can actually find that on YouTube. Um 2K looks way better. It's just, it's a fact. It just looks so much better. Well, I'm pretty sure, like, you go to a local GameStop, you, the second you walk in the door, the the employees are chucking unused copies of Madden 2005 like Frisbees. They're, they're throwing <laughs> them out the door. Yeah, well, at least last year's Madden, they'll, they're always in the bargain bins for a, a dollar. Here's, here's the side-by-side. Side. I will never get it, but I do recognize that a, a, probably a lot of success of the series is definitely the Madden title. If they called it something like Old, Old Pigskin 2006, probably mm -hmm. wouldn't buy that game. Probably nobody would buy that game, actually. I would agree. Are they just showing that it's a better, like, an overall better engine now? Like then It's still a better engine. Game. It still plays yeah. better. If you go back and buy, like I'm, I've been considering buying this game for a while actually because I think it'd be fun to see what it was like. The engine is better than even 15. It looks better. I mean, this is bad. I mean, the mechanics in 15 are not much better than 2K5. I mean, there's a reason why EA had to buy the exclusive license. Mm -hmm. Because how do you compete with the better game? I remember when they talked about how they couldn't put all uh, like for the. Um, uh, the Pro Bowl, how they have all the different helmets. They mm -hmm. couldn't actually load all the helmets in, so they don't have the Pro Bowl in one of the years. 
That's ridiculous. Recent, to me. Recently, yeah, it's like, well, we used up all of our graphic space in the engine. It's like, what, what are you talking about? It's because they're using the Frostbite engine. This looks it's, way smoother. Well, this just brings back my memories. 2005. That's just sad. I remember this, actually, I've seen this game being played before by, like, friends and family, like, at a gathering, there's, like, a, a room mm-hmm. with an Xbox, and they're playing, like, that exact game. GTA I just never five. knew. Yeah, uh, I guess it was just such a great game that everybody's like, yeah, we'll play this one. Mm-hmm. It's just 2010. Ah, we're just gonna keep playing this one. So, yeah, that was the last year that they were allowed, and look, you got it in widescreen even. It was still, it was playing in widescreen back in the day. And you can play it in the four three or the the sixteen nine, whichever you prefer, because it was on the Xbox, and yeah, and the PS two, and I want to say it was on the GameCube, but I'm not one hundred percent sure. So after EA made their power move on football, two um, K jumped in and said, "Well, we want basketball, so <laughs> mm-hmm. that's why you have NBA two K games, because they wanted basketball, so they they jumped in and protected themselves to keep their two K sports brand alive." So EA has had a massive impact on sports and video games, um, just by that alone. And we've already talked about EA's impact on companies they've purchased. They basically shut them down if they don't make a money, or if they don't yeah. make perceived enough money. Um, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, Dice is soon to be gone. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's like that's unfortunate. The, uh, the Battlefield game it made the second one. It was supposed to like sell something like ten million copies, and it sold seven million copies, and that wasn't enough. It's like, come on. Yeah, I mean, EA is is just you don't want to get purchased by EA for the same reason Bungie doesn't want to get purchased by Activision because, luckily for Bungie, they have enough going on with themselves that they can survive, not doing well for a AAA developer, or arguably not doing well by either AAA developer, even though they actually did do pretty well for what Destiny was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to let Coin talk here because we've been kind of monopolizing our time here. <laughs> oh, uh, no, it's it's your guys' show. I, I do think it is very sad, th- the the current state of Bioware especially. It feels oh, yeah. like they've been putting time out, like they're in purgatory, stuck working on Anthem for a while. And they're like, gotta got to make this work. And there's no, I, I don't think there's any path you can take to, to make that, you know, tire fire work, but... Well, supposedly they're working on Mass Effect 4 now. Oh, God, please. And Dragon Age, whatever number. Mass Effect 4, so they're just deciding... They're they're pulling a, a Rise of Skywalker. They're like, no, the previous incarnation, it didn't count. It didn't matter. We're just going to Andromeda. Is, and, yeah, they're, they're going to throw out everything in Andromeda. Um, from what I read, the developer said, Andromeda doesn't count. <laughs> you know, here's here's my problem with Andromeda. Because it's a bad game, but... It had some mechanics from a game I, I really enjoyed, Kingdoms of Amalur. It had some, some like leveling mechanics and, and mm-hmm. combat mechanics that were sort of shared from that, which is another game PA published. So there were good ideas there, but I swear to God, everything EA touches with its hand of greedy monetization, just it, it falls into decrepit waste, and it, it's the worst. Yeah. And that's all I got to say. Um, so if they do scrap Andromeda's engine and go back to whatever they used for the Mass Effect engines for 1 and 2 and 3 or some upgraded version of that, 
and they go back to that that version of the game. I didn't like the um, I like the over the shoulder of the Mass Effect games versus what they did with Andromeda, which was like a third person omnipotent kind of look. You know what I'm talking about, Will? Yeah. 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 Um, But that's more of a stylistic thing that I I preferred about Mass Effect. Um, And then I just didn't feel like it was a Mass Effect game. I felt like it was in the Mass Effect universe, but I didn't feel like it was a Mass Effect game. It was more action-y and less like dialogue choices and actually branching paths and getting being involved in the actual universe. Yeah, all the characters in Mass Effect Andromeda were just cardboard cutouts. Yeah. Like especially the main character, and that's definitely something that Mass Effect should never be. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a space adventure where your choices matter and it they don't just all amount to a different Instagram filter you can put on the <laughs> ending of your third game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's what I was so excited about Anthem for was I thought Anthem was going to be that style of game but with some online elements and then they were like nope that's not what this is and i was like come on this looks really good like beautiful as far as cinematics go and graphics and then they're like nope it's an mmo like destiny and i was like okay i'm not gonna play it heartbreaking <laughs> it yeah was. when i played three anthem i was like who was this made for <laughs> <laughs> who enjoys this <laughs> made for like Iron the Man. three the three warframe players who were like yeah i mean i like it it's just got too much story and not enough grinding. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, what do we think the future of EA and Activision and the AAA developers? Uh, what's going to happen to them? Let's just keep it short. But what's our prediction? Like, are we going to see more Jedi Fallen Order, Need for Speed Heat? Are we going to see more Destiny? Or are these developers going to go by the wayside and indie developers will rule the world? What do you think? I have. Three predictions, or three possible predictions, I guess. One, they're just going to keep repeating these mistakes until they go bankrupt. Two, they're going to put out several games for a few years that are actually like their old games, are really good, build up their reputation again, and they're just going to switch right back to monetization. Or three, they're just going to they're going to actually do the right thing, or maybe like a you know make sense type situation where again more Jedi Fallen Order, more Need for Speed Heat. Uh, and they're actually going to put their heads back onto their shoulders. <laughs> Get um, off from a different place far lower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and start making good games again. Games that people can just enjoy. Um, instead of like, these games with all this controversy, and you know you're going to get backlash, and instead of relying on microtransactions to make all the money, just make a good game, and then people will buy it. Yeah. What about you, Coin? I have so little faith in AAA developers at this point. There's... I I don't think there's a single AAA developer that I trust anymore, uh, and that's not really hyperbole. I just can't think of one. Mm-hmm. So I think the future of AAA development, unfortunately, I think it's just going to continue. I think they're going to continue with anti-consumer practices, and indie developers are going to have to be the the evolution of it. AAA I mean, companies will run themselves into the ground. When with... you consider that Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo are AAA companies, um, I would say I have faith in those three companies. Uh, you know what? I completely forgot about Nintendo. <laughs> because they're so mild, I didn't even consider them a AAA company. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I have faith in Nintendo. I, I mean, uh, their Pokemon I... stuff's a little, a little iffy right uh, now, but... <laughs> 
That game was made for microtransactions, though. I mean, Pokemon was like, like I, I appreciate the fact that they've never done it prior to this new series of Pokemon. But that game, that type of game, is like geared for that. You want to take a bet that the next Mario Kart's going to have microtransactions in it? No, no, because they already got the phone game for that. Yeah, but they, that's where they're testing it. Uh, let me just hear it here first. Miyamoto, <laughs> Miyamoto himself has said, on our games on our own platform, we will mm-hmm. never have those types of extremely um, predatory microtransactions. What Nintendo has done with Pokemon so far is here, we've added a DLC with a bunch of extra Pokemon in it. It's not, not like... It's all the ones they took out. Yes, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> it's not the same as, oh, you can pay for a randomized possibility of getting Charizard. They haven't done that yet. Okay, So I still have some faith mm-hmm. in Nintendo, even with Pokemon. I'm not knocking Nintendo. Like I, I still love that company, but I'm just, I'm just worried about it. Did you hear that uh, Microsoft is working on a quadruple-A game? <gasps> Future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Future. What does I don't mean? know what that means. <laughs> it it's means it'll be $120. <laughs> if, people, if people go, ah, at their AAA games, their quadruple-A games will get a response more in line with like, ah, because there's more A's involved. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, man. When you, when you stick to two A's, though, it's a different, different story altogether. Um, anyways, uh, I'm I'm completely embracing the uh, indie indie world takeover with gaming, um, and then Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo can keep doing what they're doing because their their first party games tend to be very good, um, and I, I definitely have no qualms with most of the first party titles I've seen coming out in the near future. Um, I'm worried about Halo having microtransactions, but that's another uh, well, story. I've already did it, so not not terribly. It was, it was very frustrating because I liked actually earning my armor sets, and the fact that you had to like grind and like have it randomized, that sucked. <laughs> but at least it was linked to progression. I'm worried that the next one will be linked to progression. Oof. Um, so I think EA, Activision, all these companies, but EA especially, they get mm-hmm. voted as like the worst company in the US every year. I mean, they, they hit the top of the list. And they're a video games company, so that should tell you something. It's an mm-hmm. entertainment company that gets voted the worst company every year. That's a problem. you got to fix yes. that. Um, and games like Jedi Fallen Order, games like Need for Speed Heat, um, games like the Crash Bandicoot trilogy, not not the Crash Bandicoot Nitro Racing. We're going to set that aside yeah. in the corner somewhere yeah. because there's some DLC thing going on there. I don't know what's going on with that, but I haven't bought it. I'm waiting to see what they do. But the Insane Trilogy, things like that, where it's just a solid, complete game where I don't have to be inundated with microtransactions and other things, I'm on board with that. If mm-hmm. EA can go back to those style games, if they don't mess up KOTOR, I might have some respect for them again, based on those games. What's your final take, Will? I thought I already gave it. Okay, then the coin, what's your final take? <laughs> EA equal bad. <laughs> Yeah. No hope, no hope of coming back for exceptionally coin. awful. That's what that stands for. <laughs> That's true. With that being said, as always, I'm Chris and I'm Will. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, and, and coins not saying anything. So um, we will see you on the next Curlcast. Exactly.
This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Kurt, or Coinplant. I do satire. And uh, if you want to go check out his channel, go to YouTube and search for C-O-I-N-P-L-A-N-T-E. No E. <laughs> I don't know why it's the E. <laughs> I feel like I actually jumped the shark there. That's my bad. Um, and uh, he's the only one that comes up if you type in Coinplant, all one word, capital C, capital P, boom. There he is. Um, if you want to try and find us, you type in Krillcast, and today, for once, it did not try to correct me and say Chromecast, so that's cool. Um, so today, we're going to talk about a game, and I know I kind of cheated on this one a little bit, but I'm going to explain it, alright? So we're going to talk about Star Wars Nice Old Republic 2. Um, it actually originally came out on the Xbox on my birthday in 2004. December 6, 2004. Which awesome. is why it's so amazing. Um, <laughs> no... <laughs> It was produced by Obsidian and LucasArts, um, and it came out on PC on February 2005, which has the full restored content mod associated with it, which is why I'm considering the definitive version, the PC version, and since that came out in February 2005, it is officially 15 years old. So, BioWare was originally... BioWare was originally supposed to develop this, but they opted to let Obsidian develop the game due to them being unwilling to work to the quick turnaround schedule proposed by LucasArts, which was somewhere around a year. Um, It uses the same engine as the original game. The Xbox version contains bugs that the PC version does not have due to the two-month delayed release on the PC. It actually scored extremely high with critics, with um, the Star Wars story in this game being much more gray than the black and white story of the first game. Um, on top of that, uh, the critic scores, from the top of my head, I can remember being around 90s and higher, which is pretty insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sold over 1.5 million copies as of 2006. I'm assuming that number is far, far, far higher with Steam constantly having it on yeah. sale at about 4.99. Okay, I wouldn't so, be surprised if it's a lot, lot higher now. Yeah. So what I want to talk about today is we want to talk about the impact of this release. Um, we want to talk about the impact of fan mods, which this is one of the most famous. And I want to talk mm-hmm. about kind of the lasting impact of KOTOR 2 on the gaming industry. So the first one is um, discuss the impact of the original release of this game back in 04 and 05. Uh, I'll let Will talk first since the impact was not really on him. Yeah, okay. I was going to say Quinn Plant should go first just because of this. But yeah, <laughs> at the time... I, I didn't know this game came out. <laughs> so I was a late adopter to this one. I knew about the first one, but for some for some reason, maybe I didn't have internet or something. I don't know. I didn't even know this game existed until many years later. So um, it was a very pleasant surprise for me because I loved the first game. And then like, I was able to discover this game. So it's pretty cool. But, you know, the impact of it originally releasing didn't exist for me. <laughs> How about you, Coin? So, I can't talk much about the release of the game, because I was five at the time. So I didn't <laughs> play it at release. Uh, I picked this game up around the end of high school. or uh, Not high school, uh, middle school. Where we, we sort of just transitioned into a, a sort of PC setup. I can speak to that as it, it sort of that was the first time I ever got really hands-on experience on any game that was like more than a like Kirby Air Ride that was just the the racing game on the GameCube. <laughs> mm-hmm. So as as my first foray into like RPGs and whatnot, 
this was literally it blew my tiny child mind it uh i don't know the i feel like it it probably the first game probably had that same effect with everybody but uh Definitely, this game had an impact on me, so I can't even begin to speak for anybody else. Uh, mm. I imagine it was it was huge, <laughs> but that's my that's my take on it. So me, I'm gonna have a, a little different take here. Um, I was so excited when they announced the second one of these games. Um, my my sister is a huge Star Wars fan, so like I was already kind of inundated in Star Wars when the prequel trilogy came out, because I had watched the original trilogy with my sister several times over on VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she's got somewhere around uh, a decade or more years above my own age, so I'm not going to say the exact amount. But uh, <laughs> she uh, she really got me into the Star Wars franchise a lot when I was a kid. And so when the first one came out, I was so excited. Um, but of course, being a child and very innocent of the mind, I only could pick the Jedi route. I, there was no way I was going to be a Sith. Um, mm-hmm. So at the end of the game, right, the original KOTOR game, no spoilers, um, you kind of get paraded around as, like, saving the galaxy, this and that, and this and that, right? So when they mm-hmm. had KOTOR 2 come out, I was like, oh, how are they going to continue my Jedi route? Well, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a huge letdown for me. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. Come on. Well, that's probably a product of the quick turnaround. They just had to choose one storyline. So... After I got over the initial shock value, because I like as soon as I put it in, I was like, "Wait, they're not continuing my storyline." <laughs> I put the disc back in the case, put it back on the shelf, didn't play it for like months. It's <laughs> like, so, come on. <laughs> but anyways, uh, after I got over that, I put it back in the Xbox and I played it for a little while, and uh, didn't finish it initially, just because it felt a lot more disconnected and unfinished than the first one. Um, mm-hmm. But then I kind of fell in love with this game because they never made any more of them. And I really wanted to continue the KOTOR story because it's just so good. And the Star Wars games, the, the storyline for Star Wars written in this game is just top-notch. Um, mm-hmm. And this is far more gray than the first one. And I'm not sure if... Did you play the first one, Coin? I played the first one after I played the second one. So you probably so... noticed how black and white the first one is versus this one. Yes, and that's a huge criticism, I would say, if you played the second one first before the first one. Um, because you would feel like this is a bad guy's good guy story if you played the first one after the second one. But, anyways, going for me from first to second game, um, I just felt like there was a lot more complexity to the story, and it was both intriguing and a little bit frustrating at times, going from the first one to the second one. Um, and the fact that the ending is just kind of, it's kind of like not finished. Yeah, fair. That's the feeling I got. Kind of like Halo 2. I really didn't feel like the game was finished. Yeah. They say, I'm going to go finish this fight, but you don't get to finish it. You know. I, mean? I remember, yeah, I definitely remember that one sticking in my mind, being like, what just happened? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the impact, the legacy of this game is, is massive. And there's a reason why people have been craving KOTOR 3 in the same breath that they're asking for Half-Life 3. is because these games are just so good and Apparently, people can't count to three from that era. Mm-hmm. And if you type in fan restored content mod, the first thing that comes up is the KOTOR 2 story about fan content restoring, or fans co- restoring the content of the game. So you can play the whole thing. It's, it's a very famous uh, fan mod for the game. 
And if you haven't played this version of it, Coin, I really recommend you do because they've got high-definition upgraded textures even. People have been recoding the textures for this game for the last decade, if not longer, to make it look better over the years. Mm. Yeah, fan have... mods are so cool. Like The fans being able to go back through and do this is just an ability that I will never have, and I always <laughs> appreciate it, and I think it's, it's so cool what people can do. I think the fact it... that people are still developing for this is insane. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Coin. I'm not just the the introduction of of like user generated content into like the the mainstream game dev cycle. Like especially when you look at something like Skyrim or, or Fallout, when the with the way they've sort of integrated the the mod workshop with the uh, like Steam, mm-hmm. making <laughs> making a lot of things really accessible. I think it's it's so interesting the way the, that a, a life cycle of a game can be so prolonged after its uh, release. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was that's what is interesting to me about this. is Because this game is what, what this game is 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And people they, they, they the, the love they have for this game is so profound that they've I'm, I'm assuming they've sunk an inordinate amount of their time oh, yeah. to just mm-hmm. let's make the game look a little bit prettier, like five percent prettier. <laughs> let's in the in some yep. of these cutscenes, and that's what some people do for the benefit of all mankind. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only that, but they took bits and pieces that were on the disc from the development cycle that gave them hints towards the full ending of the game, and they restored that. Can you imagine the amount of time? And energy that would have to go into doing that, and I think it took like seven years. For yeah, I mean, it probably do that. Probably took a few days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's still so even knowing on. how to do that it just blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad EA never said, "All right, shut it down." <laughs> it's still in. You can get it officially from Steam as an add-on. That's insane. So it is it is by far recognized as the true ending of the game. Um, and there, there's good reason for that. I think the lasting impact of KOTOR 2 on the gaming industry as a whole, I mean, it, this is why we have the Mass Effect trilogy. Because game like this succeeded. Mm-hmm. And they, they really took what they had here and made the Mass Effect series based on the KOTOR series. Because they wanted their own franchise that they could have creative control over. Star Wars, I mean, they had kind of creative control, but at the end of the day, LucasArts could say, nah, nah, we're good. We don't like this. With Mass Effect, which is essentially KOTOR reimagined as like a different franchise doing its own thing, mm-hmm. it's the same engine, the same gameplay mechanics as KOTOR, minus like the, the stacked fighting technique, like RPG style. Yeah. It's an action version of KOTOR, which worked really, really, really well. And since they actually had creative control, they were able to tie in choices from one game to the next. It's probably one mm-hmm. of the most fantastic reimaginings of an engine or a gameplay mechanic I've ever seen in my life. So I think KOTOR lives on through the Mass Effect series. Yeah, certainly the lessons they learned in making at least the first game carried over into Mass Effect for sure. Yeah. Well, they learned from Mass- the KOTOR 2 as well. You know, like the development cycle for 
Mass Effect 2 and 3 was far longer than KOTOR 2 was. I know, but Obsidian worked on this game. I I understand that, but but (laughs) think about it. They were given the engine. They learned from this game. Mass Effect, the origins of it come from KOTOR 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed. There was a reason why in Mass Effect 1 and 2, the storyline will work no matter what choices you make in 1 and 2. Whereas in KOTOR 2, if I made the Jedi choice in 1... That continuation is lost. That's true. What about you, Coin? What do you think the lasting impact of KOTOR 2 is? I think... It's it's weird to say. It's it's forever this this crater. Because it's, it's, it's such a, a massive project for, for both the Star Wars and, and RPG communities. Like, both, pe- both of those tribes really enjoyed this i think it's it's a testament to how i don't know synchronous star wars and and uh and and gaming can be Uh, something that the likes of ea's battlefront 2 will never be (laughs) (laughs) very true yeah that's fair um i i think this game even if even if ea reimagines KOTOR 1 and 2 as a different game and a different story. I think the people that love KOTOR 1 and 2 will always exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without knowing what they're doing with the new KOTOR, I can't say that that game will ever will ever have the same love as this game and franchise did. Yeah. We can dream. Yeah, and also, <laughs> I, I like, really hope they don't screw it up. At the time, these games were so different and so new. I don't know if they're going to be able to have, at least from that point of view or that aspect, if they're going to have that kind of an impact again. Yeah, that's a good point. If they stick the microtransactions with the Bazak cards, then we'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot that was a mechanic in the game. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be the only place, like, the Bazak starter deck. (laughs) $20. Okay, EA, I I guess I'm not playing Bazak. <laughs> I think it was that my mom legitimately like saw that there was gambling, and she's like, "You're not allowed to do that." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, with that being said, <laughs> um, I really hope EA doesn't screw up the re- the reimagining of this game. But um, mm-hmm. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Kurt. Give it back to Obsidian having a Microsoft exclusive. <laughs> we will see you. Well, thanks, Krillcast. Sorry. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm uh, Coinplant, or Kurt. <laughs> and you can find him by typing in C-O-I-N-P-L-A-N-T um, on YouTube search bar. And he'll come up, and he'll have this really nice-looking, almost orangey-looking thing. But he's actually a coin plant, So <laughs> you can ask him about that. I'm not going to tell you about it. Or you can find us by typing in Krillcast. That's C-H-R-I-L-L-C-A-S-T. 
If you're watching this video, you already found us, so I don't know. I know, why I'm you you've that. done this twice now. It's like, why are we telling him how to find us? They already found us, clearly. <laughs> so, since Will's video is up first, he's going to talk about his recommendation. All right. Or in the Blind Forest. I am not a fan of 2D platformers generally, but this game is just beautiful and blows me away. Also, this the just the intro sequence itself brought me to tears. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, which is ridiculous, but. I mean, there's hormones in the water in the city or something, and I got emotional <laughs> playing this game. But it's so gorgeous. I love the music. I like the the story, uh, just how everything looks. The gameplay is really fun, and I also like that you can adjust the difficulty settings. So if I'm feeling not really up to the challenge, I can switch it to easy, and then yeah, and I can uh, play a, I mean, it's like, a reviewer of Cuphead. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Uh, but it's it's really fun. I highly recommend it. I can't say enough about this game. It's beautiful. The this the lighting is is the, like the artwork itself is just incredible, and you just have to play it and experience it to understand what I'm talking about. And also, the second game's coming out this year. Yeah, look forward to that. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Queen Plant wanted to recommend Kingdoms of Amalur, but I told him that Will has already recommended that game. So obviously, if two people like that game, everybody else will like that game. Yeah, it definitely says that it's a great game. So instead, Mm. he's going to recommend this game. Right. So this game is a bit of an oddity. It's called Mini Ninjas. I'm not sure a lot of people have played it. It's a very simple, uh, cel-shaded, very short action sort of adventure game. Uh, I played it a lot as a kid. It's It's got some fun replay value. But definitely the the thing I really enjoyed about this game is it's just got this very unique approach to storytelling in that uh, it totally inspired all Dark Souls games ever, and that's what I'll continue to say until the day I die. No, uh, it <laughs> it doesn't really tell a story. It, you just sort of go places and uh, and do things, and it's, it's, it's you, you rescue your, your band of ninjas throughout the, the story, and you gain unique powers and whatnot. It's sort of atypical in that regard, but it's a very cute, very short uh, experience that I feel like a lot of people should try. That's fair. I did happen to recommend that weird Avatar deathmatch game that one time, so there's <laughs> that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend a game that I'm sure is going to surprise a lot of people. All right, This game is Cars 3 Driven to Win. Okay. Now, if you ask me... I'm making fun of, of you. If you ask me which of the Cars games is actually like the best... Our cars, cars, <laughs> the fact cars. that you you played multiple cars games. I have, I have. That's that is a fact. That's fair. Um, if you ask me, which of the cars movies is the best? This Cars Three, the movie that this game is based upon, which there's not really any story elements to this game at all, but the characters in it are based on the Cars Three movie. Cars Three, the movie, is like one of the best Pixar movies of the last two decades. It, it's just good from start to finish. And I can honestly say that I could review that movie and give it like a fair film credit rating because I've seen it probably a hundred times at this point. My son is obsessed with McQueen. Um, <laughs> uh, he really loves McQueen. Like, he sees him on TV, he's like, McQueen, McQueen. So when I saw this game, I was like, hmm. Cars 3, a game based on a Pixar franchise. Can't see that going badly. Every single Pixar Wii game. Um, <laughs> they're, they're bad. But Cars 3 Driven to Win. I read some reviews. Um, you can't really trust a lot of mainstream critics when it comes to Disney franchises. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I read through the critics, both you know, professional and 
uh, YouTube reviews, and this game gets really good ratings across the board. So I checked it out, and I, it was like 15 bucks on sale on the PlayStation Network uh, store. Downloaded it, had my son sitting on my lap, started playing this game, and he's like, ooh, McQueen, McQueen, <laughs> which is, it was fun. Um, and then I started playing it. This is like, almost like a better, tighter Mario Kart, um, mm. in that you don't, have, fighting words. you don't have the uh, power-ups from Mario Kart, so it's less casual. It's actually far less casual than Mario Kart. Um, it actually has a lot of um, strategy in the racing, more so than even Mario Kart does, believe it or not. Because you, you can have up to like four boosts, you can do jumps, um, and you have to do special skills to gain the boosting power every single time you want to use it. So like you might have to drive backwards for half the track, or you might have to drive on two wheels for a little while. Mm. Or you might have to drive and do drifting properly. But those moves, along with skills by like jumping, twisting, flipping, they're very tight mechanics that you have to utilize in order to do well in the race. Um, and it would seem like a, such a silly franchise like Cars mixed with racing um, would be a very simple game. But there's actually a lot of diverse and deep strategies in this game that I'm still trying to figure out because I've only taken first place a few times. And I'm only playing against computers, so <laughs> it's pretty tough, actually. Yeah. Um, I've been playing on medium, not easy. If I played on easy, I'd probably win every time. But it's a game that kids can pick up and play, too, so it's nice. Um, there's just a lot more deeper strategies than what, what's at the surface of this game. Um, but, like I said, it's got a Battle Royale mode, which Mario Kart 8 was famously missing when it launched on the Wii U. Um, it's got a uh, racing with no power-ups mode. It's got a racing with power-ups mode. It's got um, like an arena-style match. Um, if you've seen this movie, there's like a deathmatch-style derby game or derby uh, arena in this movie. It, it's got everything, all of it. And it's got Chick Hicks narrating in between load screens, which my son always goes, Chick Hicks, Chick Hicks! <laughs> <laughs> which is also fun. Um, but for being a Disney Cars franchise game... This is really good. I'd give it a 9 out of 10 for kart racing. Dang, that's pretty high. It's really, really good. I can't I can't say what I would do to improve it. I mean, maybe a campaign would have been cool. Campaign mode where you're racing through uh, the Cars 3 uh, campaign, kind of through the Cars 3 story. That would have been really neat to have on this game. But overall, I really can't say what you would do to improve it. Mm. It's really tight mechanics. It's implemented very well. Whatever engine they used to develop this in, it doesn't have any stuttering, which I can't say about other Cars games yeah. from the Wii. Um, and it's just generally a good game. For 15 bucks, it's totally worth it. Okay. Um, and I just wanted to finish this out with thanking our good pal, Coinplant, for coming on here. No problem. And uh, we definitely want him to continue putting out the good videos he's putting out. So we're going to cover him in a future Tuber Tuesday and give him some pointers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you guys should definitely go check out his J-Station video. Um, and uh, maybe in the future he'll have a conspiracy on Garth Benjamin, our favorite commenter. Um, <laughs> I keep seeing him. Yes, please do it. I keep seeing him oh, say that. I already have. <laughs> pages and pages of secret hidden information and lore on I'm gonna I'm coming for you. Can't wait. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um well Garth, definitely comment below and tell us what you think of Coin Plants content. I know you've commented on some of his and some of our videos, so uh mm -hmm. definitely checking you out. 
Um, and if he does launch his channel, which he's threatened on, I think on Twitter I saw he's threatening to launch a channel. That'd be interesting. We'll have to see mm-hmm. how that goes. Um, interesting use of the word threatened. I think it's a promise, <laughs> but you know, I just I see mean, Garth as a friend. Just maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it was was it on Vic's Twitter he said that? I don't remember. I, I know Vic retweeted it, whatever it was. Um, so yeah, uh, this would be cool. Um, we're going to cover him on our next Tuber Tuesday, so mm-hmm. check that out. As always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I was here. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you on next Crowcast. Get us to 100. Subscribe. <laughs>